Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. This week, I'm catching up with Melbourne-based photographer, Shannon Higgins. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for uh, coming over to the studio. My pleasure. Bit of a mission from side to side of town. I mean, we've come south side. I know, I know. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you grow up north side or you just live there now? Yeah. Uh, I call Melbourne home now, but I'm originally from over in Western Australia and kind okay. of all over Australia. So uh, I'm teetered with living south side, but I call Fitzroy and North Fitzroy home now. Yeah. As uh, many Melbourne creatives do. Yeah, the hub. The hub of where everyone else is at, really. Yeah. There's a fair bit happening south side now, though. Like, you know, mm. as you know from coming here, like, it is happening, but it's just not, um, it's all behind closed doors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the hunt of Melbourne, right? Always finding new places to kind of pop up. And, I mean, Collingwood and Fitzroy is pretty saturated, and we have to kind of get out of the bubble every now and then, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. So, um... So we, you said you grew up in Perth, or Western Australia. Was was it in Perth or? Uh, no, up in the Kimberleys actually. My parents okay. uh, were kind of vagabonds of the seventies and eighties. They used to go to these really rural towns and go and manage pubs and turn them around. So I was born up in Wyndham, which is like the most northern town up in Western Australia, and they just took over this really rundown pub in the late seventies, early eighties, and. Yeah, turned it around. It was a really wild time. I feel, you know, pardon the pun, but very wild west back in the you know, back in that time. And they were just really transient. Really moved around a lot of those towns like Coolgardie, Cambolder, Port Hedland, Esperance, and would just do these like one or two years per town and go in, change a pub, turn it around, make it come alive again. It's a really interesting childhood. Yeah, well, did you uh, have some interesting experiences growing up around pubs? Yeah, a lot. I think when you're growing up in that environment as a young girl and, you know, pretty unfiltered environments and mining towns, definitely interesting would, interesting would be a word to describe it. Yeah, sounds crazy. So, um, so how'd you get into photography? Uh, I kind of took the long way with photography. I think, you know, um, I always wanted to be an artist and always kind of wanted to pick up my camera, but I never was in a schooling environment that nurtured it. Um, having lived in the West, I kind of came over to Victoria and did my high school years in a town called Swan Hill. And Swan Hill's not really known for its culture or any sort of nurturing of the arts in that sort of environment. So even though I tried, I didn't really have the academic support um, to kind of go in that direction. So I didn't really pick up my camera until I was in my 30s. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I kind of took the long way around. Yeah, and what, um, like what made you decide to do that? I think it was just a bit of white noise in the background. Like I had done everything else. I kind of had gone off and studied philosophy for a year and then decided that, you know, philosophy and anthropology and decided that that was not going to be learnt from a book. So I became a sailor. I spent my 20s crewing boats around the world and working for celebrities. Kind of very interesting chapter working um, across the Caribbean and the Med working for some of the most richest and famous people in the world and throwing parties and organizing all of that. And in the background, there was just the the need to get out of this crazy lifestyle and pick up my camera. So yeah. I moved to Vancouver in mm, my early 30s and it was then that kind of got into a bit of an arts community, started living with artists and moving, like having a lot of friends in that environment. Mm. Slowly got the confidence then to be like, right, I gotta do this. If I don't do this now, I never will. So. Yeah, cool. Finally picked it up. Yeah. So getting back to the um, boats and mm. the celebrities, like, can you name drop any of the celebs? Uh, I worked with Eddie Murphy and, yeah, he was on board with Arsenio Hall and 
yeah, I mean, I was an embargo. I couldn't talk about this for many years. I'm sure it's it's been a while. I'm probably not allowed to say this on air, but yeah, we had them on um, the boats for two weeks over Christmas, New Year's, and St. Bart's partying up. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of debauchery from that side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That would have been great. I used to be a massive Eddie Murphy fan when I was a kid. Yeah. Like Beverly Hills Cop and all that sort of stuff. It's so hard. Like I remember like on the second day he was on board and I was so nervous and I was regularly around these kind of people. So you kind of just drop the filter and it's kind of interesting when they say you don't want to meet your heroes, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like you meet them and you're like, oh, you're just a human or you can be a bit of a dick. But um, Eddie ordered a bowl of ice cream and I couldn't help but like not the whole time I was walking it over to him just being like wanting to say that I got an ice, you know, yeah, that, yeah. you know, just like doing any of his jokes. Um, it took a lot of pressure. Yeah. Who would you want to meet if you could? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to think of it until they're standing there in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just got back from LA a couple of days ago and did a bit of celebrity spotting over there. Not out of, like not deliberately. It just happened. They were there. Any any big names you want to drop? Ah, uh, not massive. I saw um, Moby. Ooh. Yeah, and then um, my friend's dog. He went up and petted my friend's dog, and like, and the dog went crazy at him. <laughs> and then um, and I saw uh, oh, what's the guy? Danny Glover. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> that was about it. Saw lots of famous artists, mm-hmm. but they're famous to me, and not um, who weekly famous. If you yeah, know what I mean? the best kind of famous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool famous. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> people you admire as opposed to people who are glorified playing other roles and that sort of that sort of style, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I first uh, I first heard about your name through like the arts community. Mm-hmm. Um, like, did you do you focus a lot of your energy with photography on photographing artists? Yeah, absolutely. I, I find. Being able to be in a position to work with artists, I mean, that's where I get my happy place from. As a commercial photographer, I am doing a lot of corporate work and kind of deviating over that side, but where I really put my love is capturing artists, working with them and working with musicians. You have so much creative freedom to really be able to emulate the style that they're working with and, yeah, really get nice and creative with it. Mm. Yeah, I was in, um, I went to uh, Everfresh Studio on the weekend and I saw Megs's floor. And, um, and then I saw the photo that you took of him um, and his floor. Yeah, that was really amazing. It was funny because I was working with Jason Parker who had a show that just was at Stockroom and we were looking for some white walls. You know, Everfresh doesn't have that much uh, white wall going on in there as it, as it shouldn't. And um, Megs had asked me to do a photo of his floor and I, it was just such a missed opportunity just to be able to point a camera at the floor and I was kind of encouraged him to paint the shirt and we rigged this camera up and it's funny because I've worked with artists for a lot of um, a lot of years and I've been up on all of the scaffolding and all the lifts and stuff like that and it generally takes me a little bit of time to get over the heights and get my nerves in check but I, I guess I hadn't realized that I hadn't been up there for a long time and all of a sudden we're standing on this ladder and I've got my camera rigged like my baby rigged to the roof and like we're trying to touch all these buttons and get up there and make it work but after you know a couple of hours to get it all sorted the photos I'm so happy with yeah through uh through shooting so many artists I'm sure you've seen the uh, insides of a lot of uh interesting studios oh yeah definitely I love the way the artists can really turn a blank canvas into something really cool and whether it be a tiny little hovel or some massive space there's generally a lot of genius going into making it a space that's unique to them yeah 
Yeah, I've seen a, a fair few um, artists live in their spaces as well. It's mm-hmm. both, you know, if they build like a loft in there and put a bed up there and have a kitchen and bathroom or something like that. Oh yeah, the classic rent savers. I think we've all been there trying to bring both work and life into a nice small condensed space. And yeah, yeah, I've definitely been there as I've travelled around. Yeah, this place used to be in a, a, an apartment, my studio. So I've got like a kitchen and bathroom all through there. It's a pretty impressive space. I, yeah. I think to be able to have this much wall space but to fill every millimetre with art is an accolade to yourself. Yeah. I'm trying not to have a, the art to fill it, if you know what I mean. You know, sell it all <laughs> and then uh, start again. Yeah, well but, that... uh, As it piles up, it, you, I, don't know, I don't want to stop. Well, it's kind of nice to have that yeah. mirror of what you're creating. But yeah, there's definitely ample art going on yeah. on these walls. Yeah, I got stock. Anyone's interested, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> going, go, going at all ranges of prices. Yeah, yeah, but it's all good. Like I, um, I don't know I just love to paint. I can't stop, and as a result, uh, you end up with a lot of paintings. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of it, though, right? Like you're able to be able to funnel out something. As a photographer, I have to take the photo, and then it costs me money to print it. Where you're like, here's a piece of paper, and I've got an idea, and you can turn it into something that's tangible quite quickly yeah so you guys are lucky yeah yeah have you ever tried your hand at painting i can't even draw a 3d box yeah i'm so bad at painting i've tried to be an abstract artist and that's why i just shadow everyone just be around those people that you want to be like right that's why i'm yeah. always in... yeah but also you got to um see what's calling you as well because mm-hmm. yeah you don't want to force anything like like i know like i've never I've never felt the temptation to paint, to learn to paint photorealism. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have those skills, but I've never felt the calling to learn them, if you know what I mean. Never? Like your childhood notebooks and your sketch pads? No. What would your 13 year old sketch pad look like? Graffiti. Really? Yeah. So tagging mainly, like yeah, different um, type? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mostly, yeah. Had you... all through my 20s. <laughs> so when did this style develop? Ah. Uh, my early 30s. What do you think was the change? No, I just wanted to grow up. Because I, I, I kept... <laughs> Adulting. I, you know, I thought about it for years. Like, oh, I want to do art. And people ask me... Like, I'll tell people I'm an artist. But then when they went to look at what art I did, all I really had to show them was graffiti. And it's like, oh, I want to start developing different art. So I chose to. Yeah. But it was a choice. You know, I felt, once again, I felt like I was called to... Yeah, it's like that white noise always in the back of your mind, like, come on, you've got to push yourself further, you've got to push yourself further. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I'm sure you felt the same with photography. Uh, absolutely. I knew yeah. that I wasn't... Well, I don't think I ever had the voice that I wanted to, you know? I felt like, well, I'm not one for words. I'll always stumble over my words, and I feel like I don't have the best relationship with words. But if I want to be able to say something, I can take a photograph, and most people will say it resonates with them or it will translate what I'm trying to convey is an emotion in a photograph mm. where I would try to say that in words and it's just, you know, ghibli-gook most of the time. Yeah. So with, with your photography, what are you try, What message are you trying to convey most of the time? Or, is it, or do you do lots of different projects and you break it down project by project and think of a, uh, a subject matter to focus on? Or do you just shoot away and try to come up with some cool photos and put it together at the end? Yeah, good question. I don't know. I find that... I find that my photography is generally a direct relationship to what I'm going through at that specific point. Mm. 
So if, and it depends on how much of my paid work that I'm doing as well. Like you'll find that you'll get like a bunch of corporate work and then on the weekend you're just like, I just need to be crazy or I need to be colorful or I need to like create something that's a little bit more unique. And a lot of the time you'll find that like I'll get really busy and I'm doing other people's briefs for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I need to go and create just for me. A lot of the work that I deal with is like a lot of negative space. I'll put people in a big like, you know, field or a big environment and just try to like convey emotion, but with lots of negative space in a landscape. So we're dealing with like abandonment and just different emotions in that capacity or when I'm doing my portraits just trying to make sure that they're as real and authentic as possible mm. but yeah most of that tends to be more of my own creative passion work as opposed to my brief work where I'm trying to photograph a musician for an album cover and I've got a direct brief that they want me to you know fulfill yeah how do you go about drawing up work that's uh, still out for the jury. I think, I think as anybody knows, it's you know the more work that you do, the more work that comes in, you know. And I find that anyone who's really busy, it's because they're just doing a large volume of work. Mm. So if I have a little bit of a quiet spell, I'll go off and do a lot of passion work, and that passion work will build traction, and I'll start to get busy again. It's all an ebb and flow. Yeah, it's all about doing the work, isn't it? Yeah, you just have to do the work. Yeah. And when you're not doing the work, you've just got to do your own work. It's it, it's just you've got to kind of keep on going with it, right? Yeah. Do you find that sometimes you'll be doing a um, like a, a commercial job and it, it seems a bit torturous at the time, but you get to the other side of it and realise that you've learned something really amazing through doing something that you wouldn't normally do because you've been asked to do it. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll do that. But uh, as a result, you end up learning a new skill or developing a new style or something like that yeah I find with my corporate work it's just a matter of how many people are involved um I'm not sure if many other photographers have this feeling but when you're working one-on-one there's that emotional connection you get to collaborate a lot more but when you're dealing with a team and there's stylists and makeup artists and there's a lot more people involved on set the experience can dilute a little bit because you want it to be a collaborative nature it's hard when there's a big room full of people but you always try to just make it as personable as possible. Yeah. How do you find when you're working on corporate jobs? I don't know. Sometimes too many cooks is all, obviously a pain in the ass. But mm-hmm. if you've got someone that, um, you know, like an account handler who's like quite excited about the job, it can be a lot of fun to work on. And, and especially if they've hired you to do your thing, you can sort of, you know, talk with them and say, yeah, we got this, you know, I'll just, I know what I'm doing and da 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 I don't know. If, I think if, if you come in, with an experienced mindset then and they've hired you to do what you're known for you can sometimes be uh create a good relationship and get the job done smoothly yeah absolutely just be super prepared and like with photography it's so transactional right like you're tethering people are standing around your um around your computer Mm. everyone can see as you're going and it's got this like direct tangible thing so you can be even like directing the model to move their hand just a little bit and it changes the whole dynamic it's a very instant visual element with photography Mm. like i find with so many um different relationships even like a photographer and subject and or you know with a client or even with loved ones and friends family anything it's like i found i find that like communication is key oh yeah you know what i mean so it's like you saying oh you just move your hand a little bit or whatever but if you're like oh, i don't want to don't want them to think i'm nitpicking mm-hmm. you know but that little just by asking you get a better result 
Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's so daunting. And I try to regulate, I hate being in front of a camera. And, and I think most people will say that. And it's one of the first things that anyone will say to me, like, oh, I hate getting my photo taken. And you're like, well, it's a collaborative process. And I will always try to show the back of the camera or show the computer as much as possible so that they can be involved in the process. I don't want it to be a one-way transaction. So for me, I'm like, oh, I see this and I'll show them what I think is working and what's not working. And all of a sudden it's like this instant breakthrough where you're working as a team and there's this fluidity about the creative process and it really just makes the whole experience so much more fun. Yeah, yeah. So how, how long have you been um, like a full-time photographer? Like six, seven years now. Oh, not cool. that long. That's right. Well, it's longer lo- than I've been doing this. So. Yeah, it's long enough, but I find that... Yeah, like not having come from a creative, I always kind of justify it. It's my uh, the, my inner voice, my inner monologue, um, my inner confidence yeah. there kicking in. Yeah, but I, I find that it doesn't matter how long you've been doing something, you never, you, you always look at people who've been doing it longer than you. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's like, oh, I'm still the newbie or something like that. Even if you've been doing something for 20 years, it's like, yeah, but they've been doing it for 40 years. It's, you know, it's, it, I think it's just human, yeah. human nature to compare yourself like that. Absolutely. But, but seven years is a good time to get a good handle on it. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when you are working on it full time. Like when I was in Vancouver, when I first started out, I I just spent a year working pretty much for free for people. And I think I'm a huge, I don't believe in the academic system. I've never been one for the, for the academic um, schooling and reporting on stupid things that I didn't care about. So for me, it was a 10,000 hour role. I just worked for free and photographed all day every day and that learning curve and starting to put work out there and realizing what was working and what wasn't working and that was a huge curve for me Mm. now it's yeah it feels a lot more intuitive there's a lot of muscle memory that goes into it as well right like once you build that up and you're like okay that makes sense I can keep learning and growing yeah do you find that that first year for you was the hardest or the easiest uh I found it was the hardest Mm -hmm. but then like because I, I was take I was so desperate to keep it keep the dream alive I you know I thought oh you know any month now I'm going to be back but in back in an office sitting at a desk doing something I didn't really want to be doing so I know I spent a lot of time trying to drum up work and I and I it was almost like I did it out of desperation and all that time going uh, you know applying for uh you know projects I didn't get any of those projects whereas you know, you can never really see where the jobs are going to come from. They just come from left field all the time. It's like random people contact you in, in weird ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what I found. I found that the more I relaxed into it, the easier it got. Yeah. But, but then by year two, I thought there was a bit of a formula. Oh, this month is a down month and this month is an up month. But then I realized that none of that, that, that whole idea went out the window as well. And I don't know. Now I just, I don't know. I just have to have faith that everything's going to be all right. And I just go with the flow. Yeah, like that freelance juggle is so hard. And trying to understand your like creative trajectory is so hard. Like I'll look at my like accounting system or something like that or have a look at how many jobs I'll book in a month. And you just don't know. And I think you just have to trust the system. Mm-hmm. I'm very much like you. And I'm still in that position where I'm applying for so many jobs and so many things. And just being that underdog, like it just like going out into the universe and nothing coming back. So you're just like, oh, just worry about my own stuff and then yeah. you go off into your own direction and all of a sudden you get busy so it and I think that's the rule of the universe right like yeah. you just don't pay attention just keep in your lane do the best possible thing you can in your lane and stuff will come at you but yeah I, I think my biggest lesson though is to learn when to take time off yeah 
Because I just am like, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And then all of a sudden you have a week off and you're like, I can't relax. And then I'm just at the moment where like, oh no, I have a week off. I'm actually going to have a week off. And then you know that you have to trust it will come back to you. Yeah. Do When you take take time off, do you go somewhere and like leave the computer and everything at home? I'm not that disciplined, but yeah. I try. Like I will always, I tend to find that I work a lot of weekends, so I'll run away on a Tuesday or Wednesday, and I do put things in my calendar. Like I'll be like, right, Thursday in a week's time, I'm going to just go to rent like an Airbnb or something like that. And I'm pretty good at always like getting out of town and doing stuff, but yeah, I, it, it, it's something that you have to think of. And as a freelancer, if I don't put it in my calendar, I'll be like, oh, God, I haven't gone anywhere in months. So if I do have a bit of a downtime on a Sunday, I'll sit there and be like, right, every two weeks for the next six weeks, I'm going to put something and book something, and then I'll go and it will be perfect and it will work amazingly. Mm-hmm. But if I don't do it, yeah, I can I can find myself going a little bit batty pretty quickly. Yeah, you got to book it out, book it in, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even I even find that sometimes you say there's no time for that, but when if you book it in and just lock it in, by the time that day comes, everything's perfect for it. Yeah, just yeah. set it up, work towards <laughs> it, and be like that day, yeah. and then it'll be one of those beautiful things where you're trying to like isolate a thought or try to work through something, and then all of a sudden you'll be off and you'll be walking and you're on your little day off, and then all of a sudden that idea will make sense. And you're like, see, this is why I booked this time away because everything suddenly has clarity once I get away from the computer in the city. Yeah. So you um you travel a lot, don't you? like I, I, I was looking, I was looking on your website and there was a lot of uh, travel photos. Yeah, I pretty much like I left Australia when I was nineteen and I got home when I was thirty four and that time I was pretty much on the road nonstop. So I spent my early twenties as a tour guide in Europe. So I used to like travel through like England, France, Spain, Italy, Austria, Czech Republic, Germany, and Netherlands. I've said that before, um, and so I was like a tour guide all throughout Europe and then crewing boats for like 10 years that's a you know I saw a lot of the world that way but it's always kind of been disciplined with me I'm not one to like just you know kind of take a few days off and not go somewhere I'll always try to push myself to see as much of the world as possible whenever I've got a spare second yeah where was your last trip uh I haven't really I've, I've been focused on a big project this year so I haven't really done that much um Jeez, that's a very bad... I was in New Zealand. Okay. Yeah, jeez, I nearly just, forgot. Just overseas. Yeah, just on the other <laughs> side of the pond. Yeah, I peaced out to New Zealand um, and just grabbed a car and a tent and spent like three weeks camping, uh, a lot of free campsites over there, so it was really fun. Cool. Yeah, I love that outdoor lifestyle. So great. Yeah. So were you doing it in winter or summer? I was over there for January. Like, okay, yeah. yeah that's been and it's been a while, actually. I think that's why I had that mental break. I was like, where was it? <laughs> I think it's time to uh, open the calendar and... I head off on Sunday night. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, because you've been working on a big project, haven't you? I have. My, uh, I've been working on a project called Duality. So uh, Duality is essentially a blind date between 50 Melbourne creatives. So I asked 25 writers, um, everyone from sci-fi writers, comedians, musicians to give me a sentence or a lyric or a passage from their notebook and I blind pair them with 25 visual artists so street graph, fine art, illustration and yeah, see where words can be propelled into a new direction. Yeah, and how did that all come about? Well, I've been working on this for a long time and we finally had our opening night on Friday night so it was really, really surreal. There's so many beautiful elements of duality um, but for me it is the fact that it is a blind date so you know, I essentially curated this project back in January, February um, and have had artists and writers sending 
I'm working on it in like March, April this year. So I've kind of been sitting on all of this phenomenal work and nobody's known who's paired with who. So it's kind of really taking these words out of context and seeing how we're responding to them. So it's lovely just kind of me being in the space on Friday night and watching people walk into Kaya with a little bit of nervousness, not knowing who they're actually paired with, where... And I think there's a lot of trust for a writer to give over words and for an artist not to potentially do where they envision the words to go. There's a lot of trust that happens with that. So all 50 creatives kind of walked into this room on Friday night and it was such a beautiful bingo um, session of people realizing who they're paired with and really generating that beautiful level of narrative and, and conversation and understanding where their mind goes when they read these words and what the writer actually intended them to be. It's a really cool buzz. Yeah, so you collect all the all the writing, and then uh, and then with that, like anonymously distribute it throughout the art community. So. Yeah, kind of like that. So once I'd curated, so my main focus when I was curating everybody was to focus on diversity. So I made sure that I have everyone from twenty to seventy. Make sure that I've got somebody from each genre. So for example, when it comes to music, Courtney Barnett, uh, Henry Wagons, Greta Ray. Cash Savage, like try to make sure there are all these different genres and pockets of the music community and stuff like that. And so once everybody had sent me their words, I wrote out the 25 writers and put them in a hat, wrote out the 25 artists that had said yes, put them in a hat and kind of shook the hats and blind paired. Oh, cool. Well, you don't know what's going on in people's personal lives. And I don't want to preconceive that somebody's going through something or that somebody will take those words and take it into a certain way. I think everyone you know, everybody involved in this project, their minds are so brilliant. They really do have the ability to take whatever they're given and really propel it based on their narratives. So, yeah, I didn't want to kind of base it. And the results of that were really beautiful. You look at somebody like Daniel O'Toole, who is this amazing multidisciplined artist that not only is producing large-scale murals and beautiful work, but he's doing music and videos and stuff like that. For his piece, he was paired with Greta Ray and can't remember verbatim her words but something like without me I don't know without you I don't know myself and Daniel responded with this beautiful charcoal piece like you know you I'm sure you're very familiar with Daniel's work Mm. have you ever seen him do charcoal no it's a thing like you know being able to just like give him something and for him to take it in a completely unique direction and be able to respond and do this one-off piece that he doesn't need to have it as a cohesive body of work Mm. I think there's real beauty in that yeah there is a lot of um, like freedom in doing a one-off piece as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like I work on a lot of exhibitions, and I find having to group together bodies of work sometimes you um, know, sometimes you get halfway through one and you you're sort of done with that idea or that concept. But just doing individual pieces is uh, is really nice and liberating. What's your favorite one-off piece that you've ever done? Jeez, oh, um, I don't know. I'd have to. That'd, I have to think about it and get back to you. Yeah, but, uh, do. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to think because some pieces I'll, I'll do, I'll really like, and, but I'll, the paint will almost be wet and they'll be out of the studio and I'll never see them again. So I don't know. There's a lot of pieces I really like that I, I keep around the studio for a while so I can hang out with them. But um, but some of them I really like and I don't get to do that. So, oh, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But it's really interesting, you know, I think as artists, we're trying to like build a body of work that makes sense, you know, especially mm. if you have art collectors or people following you, all of a sudden you're like, I'm stuck in this pocket that I have to produce work like this. And mm. I don't know, I don't think there were 
everyone's that one dimensional. Yeah. I think that we're all evolving and that we can kind of, we're so influenced by so much stuff going on around us. It's kind of nice to be able to do one offs. Yeah, totally. So who are, um, who are some of the creatives who are in duality and like how long is it on for and you know, what, what are the details? Yeah. Awesome. So duality is 25 writers and 25 artists. So that's a really beautiful big sample of Melbourne creatives. And it's, kind of like having a look at the street art side of things. Amazing people like Al, American um, street graph artist, uh, George Rose, Sean Liu, uh, Daniel O'Toole, Goody, some really beautiful stuff by Goody, um, Paul White, Phoenix. Yeah, there's a lot of really amazing talent involved. Mm, cool. And um, how long is it on for? So Duality open on the 30th of August and I partnered with Melbourne Writers Festival so I've kind of gone for a 10-day festival window. So we're hosted at KSR which is the King Street Revival so that's down on like Collins and King Street and this beautiful old 160-year-old buttermill um, factory. It's stunning, gorgeous, high exposed ceilings and it's on until Sunday the 8th of September. Cool. So being that uh, it's a collaboration between artists and, uh, and writers, like, as a photographer, how did um, all that come together for you? Yeah, good question. I, I think as, I think we're always a culmination of things that we've done previously, like you coming from a graphic design background, and that's always going to apply to your work. For me, I spent you know, 10 years as an event coordinator and really logistically heavy kind of background in that capacity. So for me as a photographer, I have that little itch in the back of my brain where I'm always wanting to throw these big situations so it's kind of like a, a culmination of everything that I like to do, like in terms of build community, spotlight other people. I love to champion and kind of be in the background with stuff like that. But not only is it the 25 writers that I blind pair with the 25 artists, but I've also gone and photographed and filmed all 50 creatives in their home. So for me, it's producing a body of work that I find interesting. Like I like to kind of rip back the layers a little bit and go and hang out with somebody with holes in their socks and them sipping from their favorite chipped coffee mug and try to tell like this more authentic style as opposed to some of the pay, like a lot of the paid work that I have that's trying to sell a brand or trying to sell an album cover or something along those lines. So this is really my ability to go in and be my own boss and just hang out with somebody in their home and just photograph them being really natural. It's really funny, like, to be with someone like Judith Lucy, who I grew up loving, you know, as a comedian. She's so fantastic. Like, we spent the whole, I pretty much had an hour of her time going in to photograph her. And we spoke for about 48 minutes. I've got, like, 12 minutes left. And I was like, Judith, oh, my God, I haven't taken a photo of you yet. She's like, I was like, where do you work from? And she's like, I work from my bed in my knickers and my ugly old T-shirt, you know. And so, like, she just jumped into bed, stripped off her bra, grabbed her laptop and... You know, when else do you get to get someone that you admire to jump into bed and strip off their bra in front of you and let you take a photo of them? You know, it's it's really just being able to build that trust and to get into a situation that is really authentic and raw and kind of translates in the photos and with those with the video that I took for the project. Mm. Yeah, it's great. I'm sure you um you know you got to meet a lot of people as well and uh, you know build build relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like. I think it's so, I mean, your home is always a personal space. Mm. I mean, I do, my two passion projects that I do are kind of creepy like this in terms of how I go in and I photograph people in a really raw way. I have another passion project where I photograph people when they first wake up. It's called like I woke up like this mm. and literally just do a black and white series of people in bed and them, how they, how they sleep. So it kind of, 
I think my work that I always explore the themes of like is that raw kind of stripped back non-pretentious non-social media version of ourselves mm. I find that interesting as an individual and as an artist so kind of always shows up in my passion work cool all right Shannon you ready, ready for some uh, rapid fire questions Ooh, yeah I am I think cool um name one artist who you think deserves more shine uh, Nicole Evans. She's an amazing Tasmanian, but Melbourne-based artist. I think her work is unbelievable, and I really hope she sets into the spotlight very soon. Cool. I'll have to look her up. She's amazing. Mm. Uh, what's one medium you'd love to work with? Ooh, um, I think spending so much time behind a camera and behind a computer, something more tangible, so like silk printing or just something where you actually have a tangible product at the end rather than a digital format. There's a lot of, uh, lot of options out there for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're so lucky you get to have like this thing at the end of the day. And yeah, yeah it, it's nice to have something that you can touch and feel and be like, I did that today. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, like really young, like four or five years old, um, my, sister, my older sister taught me how to knit. Ooh. And I remember making a scarf for myself and being blown away that I um, had a ball of wool and I turned it into a scarf. So gratifying. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. And then became, you know, got a bit older and everyone told me it was for, for girls. <laughs> Do you reckon you could pick it up if you like... Yeah, because there's a rhythm. There's just that rhythm to it, you know. Yeah, it's really cathartic to yeah. be able to like have that tactile yeah. thing. It's so wonderful. Yeah, it's like um, old lady Instagram, you know. Exactly. Killing time. Sure, I have a scroll. Yeah, I used to go to this bar in London, a uh, slight segue. Um, it was called Knit and Wine Night, mm. and you'd just sit there with your girlfriends and drink wine and knit, and we'd all just knit away, and everybody in the bar would be knitting and drinking wine, and somebody would be playing records. It's a good time. Yeah. I'm surprised Melbourne doesn't have one of these places. Wow, who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's one skill you wish you had? I think we kind of touched on it before my inability to even draw a box. I'd love to be able to paint. Yeah. I'd love to just be able to have that expression and to be able to use a paintbrush or what have you. I just, yeah, yeah it's, it's not, it's not in my muscle memory at all. Yeah. But it's a learnt skill. Like I, even as I made the transition into fine art, I found like, I found actually painting with a brush really hard in the beginning, mm-hmm. but then you just got to work with what works for you. If you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I know painting perfectly drives me insane so I paint messy and that works for me yeah, yeah and it's and it's that trust that you have I think because I want to do it so badly I kind of don't go down that path there's just these things that yeah I like the idea that you paint messy and yeah. you get that flow and that's cathartic for you but yeah sounds like you need to pick up a paintbrush I do I do <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite artist or artists mm. I don't think I can possibly say I have a famous uh, favorite artist, especially having just curated a show. I feel like that would be picking favorites, but I think I have a favorite thing I look for in an artist, and that's someone who's always exploring new themes. Mm-hmm. I think somebody who's always doing the same body of work I find quite one-dimensional. I love somebody whose work is changing and evolving, or if you know that they've gone through a breakup that comes out through their work, I kind of like to see somebody who artwork is their lifestyle. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because um, I know you being on the other side of that. Sometimes you the thought, thoughts that go through your head, it, like if you're trying lots of different ideas, it's like oh, I'm confusing the market, and then it's like oh, just pick one thing and just go with it, so people know what to expect from me. 
I know it's the psychology behind being an artist sometimes and, and what to paint is it can drive you insane yeah absolutely yeah. and we're talking about this about having that cohesive body of work but mm. it's just even the subtleties like one of my one of my very good friends Ola Bola she is a Canadian artist from Kazakhstan she she just painted the biggest um, mural in Canada for for a woman and she's just stunning her she does a lot of folklore um, folklore work I remember when I first met her and she'd gone through a breakup and her body of work was um, about the breakup but there was always two characters in every painting that she had and the male took up like 80% of the space and the female always took up 20 but I found that so fascinating that it didn't have to be a breakup series but it just happened to be that she was going through a breakup and the male in her mind was taking up 80% of her brain so she translated that into her work yeah it just that little subtlety of like how are we feeling how are we responding to the world around us and how can we just bring little bits of that into our work I find interesting yeah totally um what advice would you give your younger self just bloody start yeah yeah I mean the fact that I didn't pick up my camera properly and I saw the world like I traveled the world and I didn't really take any photographs I was so nervous about it I just wish I'd picked up my camera earlier mm. or paintbrush oh paintbrush yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> watch his face yeah um do you have a dream project you'd love to work on I I really love being able to champion other artists. So for me to have spent the last nine months producing duality is a really powerful thing. And I always thought that would be a body of work that I'd do around the world. Like I originally did the first duality in Vancouver. I brought it home to Melbourne, did it in 2015, and this is my third show. I would love to do that around the world in San Paolo, Istanbul, because I feel like by taking 50 artists, you have an opportunity to get a color palette or a theme and Melbourne artists changed like when I did 2015 it was all female faces mm. you know four years later it's a completely different body of work mm. so being able to like do this and see a style of a city and build up an archive and photograph people in their homes you're building up an archive of where people live like mm. so I'd like to be able to if it's not duality still continue to do big things where I'm championing other artists and being able to encourage them and build community yeah does that, I, yeah, yeah, I think that's where I'd say. <laughs> cool. And um, like where are you wanting to take your photography career? Oh, that's a very nice question. I don't really feel like I've even touched the surface with my photography. I think when you start a career in your 30s, you have so much to prove to yourself. And I've kind of been in the proving myself stage. I'm kind of taking the pressure off, being a little bit kinder to myself in the last year or so. Um, so, yeah, I really just want to be working more with artists and individuals and just be able to really help capture them in a really authentic way tell more do more storytelling and working on projects i have a camera i can work anywhere i want to go to antarctica and film people on boats you know like or go and do cattle farms or like picking things that are of interest to me and have like an intrigue and being able to let my camera take me there that's i think where i'd like to get my camera rather than trying to stay in one city and slog it out in the corporate world i want to use it more as a documentary element yeah and um, do you have any future projects or plans in the pipeline? Uh, I plan to nap very time, very soon. <laughs> um, self-funding a massive project like Duality and wrangling 50 artists, which I like to kind of reference as 50 drunk cats, um, has been a lot of work. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to just kind of seeing where Duality goes when we shut on Sunday and uh, make a decision from there. Yeah, cool. 
Um, so where's the best place for people to see your work online? Um, that would be Shannon Higgins, Shannon with a Y, S-H-A-N-N-Y-N, Higgins.com or Shannon Higgins Instagram. Or if you're interested in duality, it's dualityexperiment.com where we have the 150 uh, portraits that I've done for the project over the two countries that I've done it in. It's got all the documentary and all the films and all the pairings and all that beautiful stuff on there. Or Duality Experiment, uh, the Instagram. Ample cool. accounts there. <laughs> cool. Lots to look at. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down and have a chat, Shan. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. No worries. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Bench Talk. To view images of the guest's artwork, follow us on Instagram at bench underscore talk or go to the website benchtalkpodcast.com. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or Stitcher. If you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode.